goal is for you to get some sense of what the sermon is about through the hymns that we sing together. So our songs lead us to Psalm 27 this morning as we continue our study in portions of the book of Psalms. Last Lord's Day we were in Psalm 24. This morning we're skipping ahead to Psalm 27. Let us give careful hearing to the reading of God's Word. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries, my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in His temple. For in the day of trouble He will conceal me in His tabernacle. In the sacred place of His tent He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, for you've been my help. Do not abandon me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Yes. Wait for the Lord. That is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the beauty of your word. It shows us your beauty. And I pray this morning we would behold it. We would delight ourselves in it. We would glean from it what you have for us. Father, we want to be taught today and we know that no man can be our teacher. That you're the one who must teach us. You must open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what your truth tells us today. So I pray for that. Father, accomplish that goal in us today as we spend this time in this part of your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think we all would agree that one of the most paralyzing emotions that we feel and experience is fear. 
You know, sometimes fear can completely immobilize you, can it? Keeps you from doing what your normal activities require, keeps you from doing what you are supposed to do. You know, when you're really afraid, fear kind of controls your mind. And you can think of little else. The reality is there are lots of things, aren't there? They cause us to be afraid. Many of us suffer from phobias of one kind or another. I've always been afraid of heights. Just thinking about looking down from a high place makes my knees get weak. Driving over a bridge sometimes almost leads me into a panic. It's not all. I'm afraid of needles. I hate to get a shot or have my blood drawn. And I go in and I'm looking over this way, hiding my face. And I just, I'm just honest with the nurse or the tech. And I say, look, I'm a big chicken. And you're probably getting the same idea. But you may have other phobias, things that cause you to be afraid. Maybe it's the fear of doing this, the fear of speaking in public. I had that fear once, but God somehow got me over it, partly. Sometimes we're afraid of insects or snakes. There's the fear of flying, fear of dogs, fear of many other things. We all have things that instill fear within us. But as believers, we have the ultimate solution to fear. And that's what Psalm 27 is about. It's about how we alleviate, alleviate, alleviate the fears that we confront every day. David went through many situations, you know, in life that, that caused him to be afraid. He went through this running uh, turmoil with uh, King Saul. And David had run here and run there and hide here and hide there in great fear for the anger of King Saul against him. Then later, David's own son, Absalom, instigated a rebellion against him. David had to flee the throne out of fear. His son and those he had gathered with him. And we assume that David is reflecting on some of those fearful experiences in his life as he wrote this psalm. For David gives us here, I believe, a godly way to deal with our fear. I'm going to try to draw four things from this psalm that we can do to help us when we are afraid. And the first is, when you're afraid, you must have a proper view of God. We always start there, don't we? How many times do we see that your view of God determines so much about your life and how you live your life as a Christian? It's only by having a clear understanding of who God is that you can live above fear. I've given my sermon this morning the title, Faith Overcomes Fear. But it's not just faith. But it's faith in God that helps you overcome your fear. We've seen over and over again that your faith is only as good as the object in which you place it. And so you see, the higher your view of God... The more you know of God, the easier it will be for you to deal with the times of fear that come into your life. Notice what David says about God here in Psalm 27. 
He begins in verse 1 saying, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? To put it in a statement form and not a question form, he would read this, Because the Lord is my light and my salvation, I shall not fear. No matter how trapped you appear to be, no matter how thorny the situation is, no matter how entangled you are, God can deliver you from it. You see, the Bible says, David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The motif of light and darkness runs all the way through the Bible. You know, the Bible says God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Jesus said, those who follow me walk in the light and not in the darkness. And sometimes it's the darkness, isn't it? Not the physical darkness necessarily, but just the darkness of the circumstance or the situation, the place that you're in. But David says, no matter how dark it is, the light of Christ is there with you. The Lord is my light, he says. Therefore, I will not fear. And he goes on to say, the Lord is my salvation. What does that mean? The word means deliverance. God is my deliverance. He is the one who rescues me. And again, no matter how difficult the place you're in this morning, and some of you probably, if we were around the room this morning, some of you are in a difficult place. You might feel like you're being held in its clutches, but I want you to know this morning that God is your salvation. He is your deliverer. And God can deliver you from the most difficult place that you're in. Then he goes on to say in verse 2, that's not all. He goes on to say, or at the end of verse 1, The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? That word defender there is a military word. It really means stronghold. It shows that the Lord is our protector. The one who defends us against all kinds of accusations. That may be brought against us. And I want you to see how that does for David. As he reflects on these things about the character of God. The confidence it gives him. Verses 2 and 3. When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh. My adversaries, my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, even in spite of this, I shall be Confident. You see, David's strength and David's courage came from his understanding of who God is. That God is his light, that God is his salvation, and that God is his defense or his stronghold. If you want to deal with your fear, if you want to be able to overcome it, then know more about who God is. And what God is like. Then second, you must have the proper priority. The proper priority. You know, priorities matter, don't they? We usually give most of our attention to what we consider to be most important in our lives. Most important to us. 
We've seen that in our study of various worldviews on Wednesday nights. It's what we value that we really give ourselves to. It's what you value that becomes most important to you. It becomes your priority. And for David, clearly, his priority, the greatest value for him was his relationship with God. To know God and to live his life for him. You see, David knew there was a connection between two things. Between his relationship with God and the level of his fear. The closer he was to God, the less his fear. The farther he was from God, the greater his fear. Look at verse 4. Where David says this, One thing I have asked from the Lord. That's his priority, you see. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Reminds us a lot of the last verse of Psalm 23, doesn't it? Where the psalmist says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. They're similar, but different. It's clear in Psalm 23, David is talking about living with God in heaven forever. In Psalm 27, it's clear that David is talking about his life here all the days of my life. He says, The house of the Lord, in verse 4, refers to the place where God dwelt. The place where God's people met with God. And of course, in those days, it was the Ark of the Covenant that represented the place where God was. And when God's people went to worship, that's where they went. Later, it would be in the temple. The temple wasn't built yet. David wanted to build the temple. That wasn't God's plan. His plan for Solomon to build it, oversee that project. The Ark of the Covenant at this point dwelt in a tent that David had constructed for it. But notice David's deep longing to be in the presence of God. To be where God was. That was his priority. That was the one thing he says, I've asked from the Lord. That is the one thing that I shall seek. That I may dwell, he says, in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. But not just to be there. But notice his desire was to enjoy being there. To behold the beauty of the Lord to meditate on the things of God while he was there. You see, David knew there was a connection between his worship of God and the level of his fear. The greater his worship, the more confidence he had in the face of danger. To put that in the context of this song, the more regularly he was engaged in worship, the less fear he would have. Look at verses 5 and 6. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. I will offer 
in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. I want you to notice a couple of things there before we move on. One is this sense of confidence that worship gave to David. He talks again of God concealing him in verse 5 in his tabernacle. That he would hide him in the secret place of his tent. He would lift his head upon a rock and lift his head upon his enemies. A symbol of victory. And, and all that is in the context of worship. Of David longing to dwell where God is all the days of his life. To be in worship of God. Now let me, let me just give you a little preacher talk this morning. Your attendance at worship is an important part of your spiritual life. You need to be here or somewhere in worship because it is a part of your spiritual protection. The more you are in worship, folks, the more secure and confident you will be in your walk with God. You know, sometimes we preachers get it wrong. You know that. Sometimes we preachers get it wrong. Sometimes we act like the church needs you more than you need the church. That's backwards. Oh, the church needs you. But you need the church just as much as the church needs you. The worship of God is a source of strength and encouragement and confidence to His people. The other thing I want you to notice here is that worship is to be full of joy. He says at the end of verse 6, I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. You see, our joy and our worship is found in, the, in God's promise that wherein we gather for worship, He is here in a special way. Now we believe God is omnipresent. He's always present everywhere. But God promises to meet with His people in a special way when His people gather together for worship. Where two or three or a hundred are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. That's our joy in worship. Then when we come to worship, we're not just coming to be with each other. I certainly hope you aren't coming just to hear me. We come because we believe in the promise of God that He's here in a special way. And by His Spirit, He moves in our hearts to minister to us, to encourage us. And folks, that gives us joy. One of the things I love about Sunday mornings is standing at that door and watching some of the children run into this building. They can't wait to get in here. I know, I know why they're running to get here. But we all ought to have that in our hearts, shouldn't we? There ought to be a sense we just can't wait. We want to get there. We want to be there. Because God is there. We offer our sacrifices with joy and with thanksgiving and with gladness. 
Because the sovereign, eternal God has promised to meet with his people when they gather together in worship. And folks, that gives you strength. When you go out this week and face things that are fearful, cause you to be afraid, you say, I remember the strength that God gives to his people in worship. And then thirdly, it says you must have the proper approach to God. We find that in verses 7 through 13. And I'm just going to touch on a couple of things in that section. Having the proper approach to God means we're honest with God. Look, if you're afraid, tell him. David did. If you don't think that God is hearing you, that somehow God is far from you, tell him. The proper approach to God is to be honest with God. Verse 7, he cries out, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. And he goes on to say, Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Do not abandon me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. Look, David needed God's help. And this is what an honest prayer. Where, where, God, where David is literally pleading with God to hear him. Don't forsake me. Don't leave me. Isn't one of the most terrifying feelings when you're afraid is that you're alone? And David is pleading with God, don't leave me alone. Hear my prayer. Heed my cry. You said, seek my face. And my heart said, I will seek you. So don't turn from me. Come to me. And hear my prayer. He's literally begging God. He makes reference to his father and mother having forsaken him. I'm not sure that's a literal statement, but he just he's, he's putting the worst possible scenario on it. Wouldn't, it be, wouldn't that be one of the worst things in life? To have your parents forsake you? Like it didn't matter how old I was or how old my mother was. It gave me a lot of comfort. No, she was there. And if there's one person in the world who wasn't going to forsake me besides my wife, it was my mother. You know, it just gives you comfort, doesn't it? And David's saying, don't forsake me. Don't forsake me. You're all I have left. Please don't forsake me. The news goes on to, to pray in verses 11 through 13 for God to teach him. And to guide him, to deliver him through the dark places in the face of his enemies. Honesty with God. If you're afraid, tell him. If you feel alone, tell him. If you feel like you're not close to him, tell him. And then fourth, you have to have a sense of dependence on God. 
Verse 14, I think, is kind of a summary of the whole psalm. It contains a warning of sorts. You know, the kinds of things for which David is praying, seeking, yearning for in this psalm don't come automatically. Sometimes they take time. And therefore, the admonition is given here to wait. Wait. We're not very good at that, are we? Our patience kind of runs runs thin. We live in such an instant society, don't we? We push a button and we get it. And sometimes we think God ought to operate that way too. But the Bible says God's timing is not always ours. God's ways are not always ours. So the admonition comes in verse 14 twice, actually. Wait for the Lord. Yes, he says, wait for the Lord. But it also requires that we trust him. Right in the middle of verse 14. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. As we've seen, both our strength and our courage come from the Lord and our relationship to Him. If you're going to alleviate your fear, you must depend upon Him. Fear comes to all of us. I've been afraid the last few months. I've been afraid. Some of this morning may be afraid. You might be afraid of Tuesday. Should have been here for Sunday school. Might be afraid of Tuesday. The election. What's going to happen? The aftermath. Don't be. Don't be. Instead, trust God. Some of you may be afraid of some medical tests you're facing. I've been down that road recently. You're afraid of the test? You're afraid of hearing the results? Don't be. Trust God. He's in control of that too. Some of you may be afraid of losing your spouse to death, being alone, not having your companion any longer. Don't be. God promises never to leave you nor forsake you. So trust Him. Some of you may be afraid of losing your job. Your company's cutting back. Some of you may be afraid of not being able to pay your bills. Your debts are mounting. Don't be. God promises to supply all of our needs. The list could go on and on, folks. There are all kinds of things out there that cause us to be afraid. And if you're going to alleviate your fear, you've got to live by the book. You've got to keep the proper perspective of God. He is your light. He's your salvation. He's the defense of your life. You've got to keep the proper priority. You've got to seek Him, a relationship with Him. You've got to worship Him regularly, often. You've got to be honest with Him. Tell Him about your fear. What's causing your fear? Ask Him, plead with Him to alleviate that fear. And you've got to have confidence. You've got to depend upon Him. You've got to wait on Him. Wait for the Lord. 
Be strong and of great courage, yes. Wait for the Lord. And he will deal with your fear. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word and the comfort it gives us. And thank you for these people who've come to experience your presence in worship. And I pray that as we go from this place, we will go encouraged and strengthened, less afraid of whatever it is in our lives that is causing us fear. For your glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.